This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, Episode 74, Trilogy. We're here with might might be a very special episode of Strange Assembly, because you, you may notice our audio sounds different. I guess we'll find out later how different it sounds. We are... Recording on a weeknight, we are recording over Skype, and we hope to be able to use this to more frequently bring you episodes so that none of us have to drive an hour to physically get together to talk about things. And us today is Gerald. Hello. Justin Purdy. Hi. And Mike Cook. What's going on? And I am, as always, Chris Stevenson. Today, we're going to talk about Legend of the Five Rings. We're also going to talk about the first two what, data packs. I want to call yes. them expansion packs, but whatever, for Netrunner. And then some sort of general blathering about the Star Wars LCG, even though I'm pretty sure that none of us really has any idea what we're doing yet with that game. Does that sound yeah. right? Yeah, kind of. Still, well, I certainly out. don't. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, Chris. Let's be fair. How many of us know what we're doing in any game? <laughs> uh, I think, relatively speaking, there are games that we have some idea what we're doing. But the okay, speak for yourself here. Okay, but <laughs> the Star Wars, the Star Wars LCG plays differently enough that it seems harder to Gage? immediately get what exactly it is you're supposed to be doing and what the right long-term strategies are and exactly what the different values of the cards are like is tactics really as uh overpowered as you think it is how incredibly important is that second point of damage capacity or health or whatever they call it on a character right and the, the balance is a little bit tricky to figure out as far as like what value any character has even though it's very familiar to other games yeah. I think one of the hardest topics still for Star Wars is just what's the value of a card in hand for your edge versus out on the board as a unit? Yep. Well, my favorite thing to do with my cards is to play one really awesome thing down and still have a bunch of stuff left in my hand for the edge. Uh, <laughs> really? Because I seem to always play a card and then have a whole bunch of ones left. Well, I would rather have a bunch of bad characters in my hand for ones for the edge than not have anything to do with my turn but spend two or three resources to play those bad characters on the table and then not have any cards in my hand. Yeah. So, uh, are, we, are we talking about Star Wars now or are we going to... Well, I thought Apparently. we were going to talk about Star Wars last, but we're, we seem to be talking about it now. But let's... Uh, <laughs> For, for Legend of the Five Rings, let's uh, hit on that first. Not a ton has happened except, you know, the whole massive dump of Torn Asunder 
information, which we'll probably get into more detail on next time. But I guess before Torn Ascender, I think the only other, I don't know if big news is the right word, but the, the rules change back to the old rules. So you can now no longer use the same copy of the same reaction multiple times in response to the same trigger. And the primary and intended effect of this is that you can now now no longer take the proclaim action more than once in response to buying the same guy, even if you have things out that let you proclaim more than once a turn. There's been the crane guy kicking around who lets you do this, but I think the reason why they they went ahead and did the rules change is because they just released the promo Sapoon Jiramu, who's pretty amazing, but just flat yeah. out says you can use the proclaim action twice per turn. If you're an honor deck, he's got a 10 honor requirement, but he costs six. He gives you plus two province strength, and you get to use and you get to proclaim twice a turn. That's oh, yeah. pretty amazing for honor. Absolutely. I'd play that. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll pay it for six Koku, more important. No, no, that's right. It's <laughs> still, yeah. Six gold still. It is kind of weird that things have a gold cost. Don't you think? What, what like you want them Koku to have an iron Koku? cost? A Koku cost. An iron cost? Well, apparently they're equal because <laughs> when you play one Koku. Is it the, uh, yeah, that's right. It's the iron price. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yep. So I think I'm I'm thinking is it steel? But no, that's because I was for reasons passing understanding, looking last night at the Age of Mortals Dragon Lance supplement that I bought for three bucks or whatever it was at Gen Con. And if you recall anything from Dragon Lance, instead of using copper pieces or gold pieces or something, they use steel pieces as their their money in that setting, so that's why I'm getting turned around. So I guess out of the the torn asunder stuff that we've seen, what handful of cards stand out to you so far? Overpower. Yeah, definitely overpower. Yeah, and if you haven't overpowered. seen, it, it's not overpowered. Overpower is basically a strategy that says you may not blitz me. It stops your opponent from attacking if it is their... Well, it stops whoever's turn it is from attacking if it's their first or second turn. So if your opponent buys a guy on turn one, then on turn two, you can just play your overpower and they can't attack you. They they don't even get an attack phase. So I don't think that there's any counter to it unless they've dropped you... Unless you've dropped yourself below zero family (laughs) honor so they can bad karma it. I think uh, that'd be a yeah, no, because it's it's not anything that can be negated otherwise. Yeah. So, but that's that's kind of the point. And then it uh, its other ability is to let you dig a guy out of your discard pile and put him in a province. So, in case you were worried about ha- having used your border keep XP as an insane combo machine on your first turn, that you might need to fish a guy back on a later turn, it can do that too. But but that's good. Blitz. It shouldn't exist in L5R. Just the way that the military works, Blitz is a problem. It's You just lose so much potential in the future when you lose a province. It's not like Magic where I'm playing a creature. It's like, oh, I hit you for two on the first turn of your 20 life. 
I mean, when you lose a province in L5R, that's a quarter of the cards you're ever going to see out of that deck every turn gone. Yeah. There is a new stronghold, the Imperial, an experienced version of Journey's End Keep, which essentially represents the Imperial Legion that is marching down upon the second city. So it gives you a that eight starting honor, so you get to always go first. Gives you five gold production, because it was a unicorn stronghold. Imperial is your clan alignment. You start with the Imperial favor. You get the in-clan discount on any of your Imperial guys that also belong to a clan, but you don't get mega cheap. No, you only get it if they are not clan-aligned Imperial. So Imperial, but no clan alignment. No, no, it's the other way around. It says you may not oh, have personalities with clan discount if Imperial is their only clan alignment. Oh, okay, so I, it's for, like, these yeah, Imperial guys. So you, yeah, you can pay the normal price when you're buying clan guys, because if if a guy has a seven gold cost for a military deck, he's, for the most part, designed that you pay five gold for him. Yeah, but right. the unaligned guys that are designed to cost five gold just cost five gold. So it's so they don't want to give you the clan discount on those. Of course, it does have a, a teeny-weeny drawback that you cannot bow your stronghold to pay for personalities. So, yeah, which, which basically kills the stronghold. Uh, I disagree, but yeah. it's obviously a major impediment. Well, remember, you you always go first, so... What to some extent you can be aiming to do is what Lion will, many Lion decks will aim to do, which is turn one all gold, turn two a guy and a bunch of gold, and then on turn three you really start going. So if, you know, you mean you could kind of commit yourself to, to, or, or to maybe being like a, like a TFT deck might play, where you're just going to say, on my first two turns, I'm going to buy nothing but gold, and then I'm going to... So, I, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a big thing to work around, but I don't know that it automatically dooms it. I It also just depends on what kind of personality base you can assemble, which I haven't sat down and gone over. But there are a pretty solid number of Imperial Scouts, especially since uh, there are a bunch of Imperial Explorer personalities in Torn Asunder, and they all have the Imperial and the Scout keywords. What other noteworthy characters do we see? Uh, Kuni Renyu has a new version where he doesn't really look like Kuni Renyu anymore and is yet another personality who gives all your provinces plus two strength. The Mantis Champion's sister is in the set. His twin, Yoritomo Harumi. Have you guys seen her yet? I think she made his... Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. She just went up today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she uh, certainly costs money, but that's a nice set of traits and ability. Although, I do have to to agree. I think over on the Dragon Forums in the thread about the Tamori, it's sort of like, so is everyone but Tamori allowed to have guys with four personal honor? Can we get people who <laughs> have twos, maybe? Yeah, I, I do like the Thunder Shugenja who has a gain honor ability. Yeah, well, it's it's because she's also an Earth Shugenja. She's designed so you can play her in the Thunder theme or in the Pokemon theme. Yeah. It seems like there was at least one other random 
Carta. Oh, a tune who I kind of want to mention because uh, I don't think he's as crazily, scarily good as people seem to think he is, although maybe I'll be wrong about that. He's the 3-2 unaligned personality for 5 who has naval and gives all the human personalities in his army naval. Which I think will be hilarious for the booster draft, but I don't think people are going to really mess with that in any constructed formats. Well, I think it'll be less scary in the booster draft to some extent because you don't have scary things to do with being naval. There was a point in time where I had Moshi Rukia in my Kensei deck that the time has passed because I can't really rely on people ever having attachments anymore. <laughs> Her issue was that you, I mean, she, you really wanted your opponent to have attachments because if they didn't have attachments, there wasn't anything she could do with her navel. You, I mean, you really wanted to navel use her ability and then do something real. Well, Chun just lets you sneak attack every turn with whatever you want. So I, I don't think that he's irrelevant, but you, there were a lot of posts on the AEG forums, sort of sky is falling sort of thing. I, I mean, it's, some of it was just unsurprisingly, you know, Mantis players not being happy that they might actually get navally invaded. <laughs> Chun is a personality who you are, he's, he's equivalent to a seven gold in clan personality. And he's only got three fours and he has no abilities. So. Uh. Yeah. The only other card they've previewed so far, which I think is cute and I'm going to actually try a little bit is the Miro Kunoshima, which is that weird six or five holding that you can copy keywords from one person to another. Yeah. Which mostly I'm going to be using that to make Quan Chai a paragon. <laughs> <laughs> so I can actually lead Quan Chai, you know, suck in the other suck the other guy out of the battle, put Quan Chai in and be like, Okay, you're not gonna do anything. Quan Chai cast aside the weak you. a perfect Quan Chai. Yeah. Yes. Oh, we got the the ivory champion finally got a card too but i don't did he seem exciting they, that's is that Bafona? no it's not Bafona. no no shinzo shinzo selu uh Bafona, I oh, right, 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 right. is one of the imperial explorers yep he is yeah yeah selu is the ivory champion he's a 5 he's a unicorn 5 4 for 10 cavalry commander who makes your all your cavalry followers cost two less, and then anytime somebody targets him, they have to discard a card. Yeah, I'm not all that hugely well, impressed. Yeah, uh, Ren, Ren use ability to reduce the gold cost of all your personalities seems more impressive. Unless I yes. there's I haven't been looking at the cavalry followers, and there's maybe some ridiculous deck waiting to be made now that you can make them all two gold cheaper. Other than that. Mm-hmm. I'm not impressed, really. Yeah, no, Commander's still dead. You're dead to me, Commanders. Dead, 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 dead. Okay, do we have anything else noteworthy about L5R? Like, Winter Court's still going on, but... uh, Oh, It seems easier to wait until uh, it's over to talk about. Well, there are a couple other cards that actually caught my attention. Okay. Specifically, just uh, two, Eye of the Sword, so we have our next Battle Kill duel which I think could be something of a big deal. I don't know. I, I seem to recall you playing a uh, 
a dueling deck on Saturday and hating life anyway is uh well, yeah, that's that. It's just because well, I'm yeah. a jerk. <laughs> well, no, it was also because um I was doing. Oh well, no, that was a, that was a different thing because I adjusted to your deck and then I tried to play Battle Maidens and it just has I was playing defensive honor dueling and it just has a terrible match against uh Battle Maidens yes. specifically because. I was facing a whole bunch of redirects, and all you have to do is get one person down with more chi than my people, and I, I stopped being able to do anything. Yes, I believe Nalish was busy laughing at you. Yeah, well, I actually even packed the the open that gives you negative two chi to help deal with people, and it got away in a focus pool. So the other one, uh, the other card that caught my eye was the uh, the turquoise champion, Akoma Satoru. The guy who tours up regions and uh, terrains. No, no, no. That, that guy is also really good. <laughs> uh, this is the the limited guy that does the crane thing of show a card in your hand and uh, juice another player and give it to him as a gift. Um, instead of honor, he punches people in the face. <laughs> yes, yes. Limited duel for like a card. I, I don't know how much that will get played, but because it's only up to a four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he makes a melee attack. You 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 give the card to your opponent. If he takes it, you get to draw two cards. If he doesn't take it. Then you pitch it and you melee attack with strength equal to its focus value, and since it's and that lets you shoot someone in their home. So I mean that seems good just because oh you're playing honor or dishonor I can punch pretty much anything in the face right now, right? Or, or draw two cards. It, yeah, well I, I think the question is how many fours do you sit within your deck? I mean, people have correctly pointed out that there are sometimes going to be decks like berserkers where he just doesn't have any target whatsoever. But I think it's fine to have a bad matchup like that, so you just don't buy him in that match. And right, that's yeah. usually you, something you... to hit. Well, but right. he's also he's still a three-force tactician for five, which is still on curve. Yeah, yeah. As long as you have enough fours, most times there's going to be a matchup. I mean, if you you won't need fours against honor and dishonor, but yeah, I mean you don't need fours because to my mind, the punching people at home is mostly for the courtiers that are sitting at home, and they've only got a force or two, so... Well, don't underestimate the value of killing guys at home against other military decks, too. I'm, I'm not saying it's not, yeah. not a nice to have. I'm saying you put him in your deck as meta for the courtiers, and, hey, bonus, he still works against uh, a Kensei who hasn't gotten a sword yet, or <laughs> what have you. I mean, it, it's fine that it, you know, <laughs> Berserkers are obviously okay against it, but... I mean, even my Paragon deck that usually goes to battle shows up with 8 or 12 force and then laughs as Berserkers stare at their hand and can't do anything. <laughs> when they're sitting at home, everything in my deck has 4 force. This kills, like, all my people. Yeah. If you use a 4. I feel like I should note that one of, going back to Seeds of Decay, I, I think one of the things that I missed on the most was Out of My Sight, which is the card that gives another... Gives a personality brash. I just kind of dismissed it as why would I want? Oh, that's dumb. Why would I do that? But actually, I mean, if you just if you're playing a defensive deck, you throw it on any one of your opponent, like on whatever your opponent's nastiest guy is. If they don't attack with it, well, then you just removed him from the game for your card. And if they do it the first time they attack, you get your card back, and you probably get multiple cards out of it because they have to keep attacking with him. So, right. I mean, just random playing... observation on uh, us missing on that entirely. Well, especially if you're playing a serious defensive deck where they're not attacking four times. They may attack six, eight times through the course of the game 
trying to bust provinces, so becomes a serious return on investment there. Well, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to be honoring or dishonoring before <laughs> six to eight turns these days. Mm. It'll be interesting. None of that. I mean, Turbo Enlightenment got left alone by by the bands, and there's still some pretty fast honor and dishonor that can can roll out there, and that didn't get another meta kick in the pants like uh, like Overpower did to Blitz. So, okay, but I think we will. Uh, stop with the L5R here and come back with Netrunner on the other side of the break. Android Netrunner came out to great fanfare at Gen Con last year. Everybody's had the base set for a while and now the data packs have started to drop uh, it's possible by the time you hear this, the third data pack will have hit stores, but we've only seen the first two, so we're only going to talk about the first two. So if we start with what lies ahead, what cards did you guys find to be particularly noteworthy out of that data pack? Uh, wizard. Holy yeah, cow, Project say. Atlas. Yeah. Loves me some Wizard. I, I think Wizard's probably the most significant card in the pack. Well, the identities sort of. Well, like the House Bioroid, I, I just the the original House Bioroid is so good. I don't see anybody playing it. Maybe if it was all your ice is plus one strength, but it only your HB ice is plus one strength. I think the economy advantage, especially right now, is so much better. I, I don't well, see people running that. I mean, I think it's not just that. It's that right now the available Bioroid ice pool is not deep enough to be. Once it gets to the point where it's every single ice in my deck is bioroid, so everything is getting a plus one, sure. Right. Um, part of the problem, too, is aren't all of the bioroid ice right now the click-to-breaks? So sometimes yeah. that, plus, that strength yeah. doesn't really matter. That's what I was, yeah, that's what I was saying, too. I was about to say. Though that Janus 1.0, that's, that, oh. you can't even break them all with the clicks. <laughs> <laughs> If you can get that up, that's pretty ridiculous, yeah. That That's a heck of a cost, though. 15? Yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah, I assume 90% of the time it's not coming out by me paying 15 for it. It's, you know, accelerated beta test or priority right, requisition. Right. I played a game where he uh, he raised it paying cost, and I just ate three brain damage to win. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've hit that, too. It'll happen. Uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, because it doesn't end the run. Right. Well, especially if the runner is being relatively cautious and not draining the corp of resources like they should be. I don't know if a, if, if if something that relies on your opponent to play badly is uh. Well, it, well, it also kind of relies on luck because sometimes it's not that they're playing badly; it's that their two icebreakers that they need are at the bottom of the deck. <laughs> you know, it's a card game. Yeah, that will happen. I think Imp is. Kind of a pain in the butt. Oh, Imp, Imp is great, because, I mean, for the same reason Wizard is, that you can just trash cards you normally wouldn't be able to trash, and that, for the runner, can be huge. Oh, what's that? You've got Janus 1.0 on top of your deck? No, you don't anymore. <laughs> Bye-bye. You have Scorched Earth in your hand? Yeah. 
Yep. Or, I mean, just, okay, I, I can run three times on R&D this turn without the imp. If I hit an operation or an ice, who cares about the other two runs? But now, hey, maybe I get a couple agendas out of this. Yeah, I guess it's it's almost more like a an operation that happens to use up some MU in the meantime. Yeah. Um, I think Project Atlas is really crazy. Obviously, Waylon, you're probably already tagging, bag. tagging and bagging people, yeah. or they've protected themselves like crazy, and now you're fishing for agendas. But one way or another, it lets well, you fish up whatever you need. Well, also fun with Project Atlas is if you're play if you've splashed some traps in, you suddenly have an excuse for four tokens on that June bug that they run into. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, it actually made me wanna uh, made me wanna run Wayland again. Mm. Ash two X. My name is too long. Is also really good. Yes, Ash yes. is Ash is quite handy. I've seen that a lot more than the other the other HB. Mandatory upgrades, which seems really hard to actually score, but man, if you did. I've played it yeah. some, and it's got the same kind of nice Project Junebug interaction where now I've got an excuse to leave something sitting out with, like, four tokens on it. Yeah, yeah. And if it gets out, it's phenomenal. I mean, an extra click, that's ridiculous, but yeah. holy but, cow, if, like, if you can't get your stuff secure, you don't want to be sitting there with that ridiculous thing sitting there like, Oh my god, six advancement tokens to finally score it. Yeah, six advancement tokens puts you into the I have to play this and I cannot score it for another two turns after I play it territory. Right. Yeah. Well, also going back to Ash, so much so good in NBN where you it's almost a trace six. Even Kate has trouble with that. And so I love I mean, big traces. Yeah. Between Ash and Red Herrings, I've had forts in, or sorry, servers in my NBN deck with like six cards in them. Yeah. Uh. So what do you guys think about Brain Trust, which also, which is actually in, in faction for Project Junebug? It, it's okay. I, I have problems with it just because with Jinteki, you're usually wanting to hit them for brain damage, or at least that's been all the decks that I've built. And that's what their most of their cards support. Um, and having to put two over to actually reduce everything by one, it's quite a bit of a cost. Or at least that's it's, what I found. I, I think it's a good card more by virtue of the fact that it's a three for two for Jinteki than any of yeah. that text written on the card. Right. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah that's true. I mean, I'm very rarely adding extra counters to it. Though that said... I am highly abused by the idea of getting boosting that enough to make my cell portal free. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I was mean, actually going to do it. I said I like the idea. Fair enough. Yeah, people do seem to like Plascrete Carapace. I I, I, I don't know that anyone likes it so much as it's just such obvious meta for Tagin Bag. Oh, that's like the yeah. only when, yeah, when, when of, meat damage. Because there's no other meat damage other than the uh, corporate force. security force. Mm. Yeah. But right. almost I mean, no, I never have anybody score that. So it, it's such an obvious uh, meta for the tag and bag, but then also outside of criminal, there really isn't that much meta for the tag and bag. So 
I think that's why everyone likes it. Yeah, it's probably true. Okay, now what about uh, what lies ahead? I guess since uh, on the article on our website you bothered to put up a picture of Vamp J, so you must like that. <laughs> oh, you, uh, you mean um, Trace We're going to Trace Amount now? Uh, well, yeah, what did we're, I say? What lies uh, ahead? Again? Okay, we're yeah, we're going yes. to talk about those exact same cards again. Okay. My opinions have completely changed in the 30 seconds. I now think Wizard is horrible. I'm not currently playing Vamp, but it, it I, I feel like it's one of the strong cards. So you've got Account Siphon, which, it, when done right, can really wreck a corpse day by taking their money. So Vamp is the same thing. You just, it costs instead of gaining, so it's worse <laughs> so that's slight in difference. that way. But just the ability to bankrupt the corp can be huge at the right points in time. I mean... Eh. I'm I'm I think infinitely more impressed with I steal credits from you rather than we both hemorrhage credits. Well, yeah, but then again, that game that card's basically busted. Like I I feel like that's the only card in the game I'd point at being maybe broken. Just me personally. It costs me nothing to get a whole bunch of credits and then bankrupt you is incredibly hard to get back uh, get back from. Right, and I think Vamp is the balanced version of that. I think if Account Siphon weren't around. We wouldn't be looking so down on vamp. Imagine it this way. First turn, I go vamp on your hand. I burn my opening cash. You burn your opening cash. I've now got free reign on R&D. And you have a tag. The tag can be a pretty big thing. It, Uh, It can, but I've got no resources for you to trash, and you have no money. That's true. So what are you going to do with me having a tag? But it's also going to take three actions for you eventually to get rid of it. And you can run into things that do start to run afoul of, you know, you getting a tag. Because getting a tag on somebody can be one of the hardest things in this game. Yes, no, no. I, I'm well aware of how allergic the runners are to tags. Uh, I'm not saying it's no cost. I, I don't quite understand why they gave it that extra cost of taking a tag. I think it would have been good just as it was without the tag. But, you know, whatever. Well, what about Liberated Account, another economy card? It's great. I mean, yeah. the Anarchs needed that kind of stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, the Anarchs had the worst economy, and that really, really helps them. It's scary with that six cost, Yeah, but so worth it. <laughs> I'll defend a terrible card. I really, really like Sherlock 1.0. Sherlock's not terrible. He's just, I don't know how much of he's going to see. play he's going to see. Yeah, it's not that he's bad. It's just I really dislike ice that doesn't end the run. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I agree with you. Ice that ends the run is phenomenal. But if a Trace 4 succeeds and you get to put some program the runner has on the top of the stack, if Sherlock's not your only piece of ice, that is pretty much going to end the run. Sure, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he's horrible. It's, uh, and, well, it's also, well, it's also that you have to do a trace to put it back on their stack, so it's literally just a click for them to get that program back. Right, but he does yeah. make the point that mid-run you can't do that. But it's not a click for them to get the program back. It's a click to draw the program, True, and then and a click in creds to play it. Plus all right. the cred costs. Yeah, no, no, no. Putting, putting it on top of the deck is not atrocious. 
it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just that I want ice to end the run. Yes, yeah, it it does not end the run. Yeah, and and this can still be broken with clicks. Sure. And as as the aside, the like you were talking about with Ash, I like seeing really big numbers. I mean, if they can't actually break the routines. Two trace fours, if they don't have any link, is just going to drain their oh, yeah. credits. Yeah, trace four is where I want to see my trace, because that's, I mean, even if they do have link, that's enough that I could pay some money against Kate and still get the trace to stick. Yeah. Now, absolutely, worst part, only two subroutines and they can spin clicks to just break it. Yeah. You know, um, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah but my, my, at the same time, if you've got enough, if you, I mean, if you're playing it in faction, you you should have enough nonsense for them to be eating clicks that that's in some ways a benefit. Wouldn't you rather them eat up their clicks here than against Heimdall? Right, or or something else. My biggest problem with it is quite honestly just the cost. Yeah, six is very close to actually really great ice because this is not a toll booth and it's just too shy of a toll booth. Yeah, There's I mean that's much around this price point. Is there? I'm trying to think of what to compare it to and what. Ice is six. Like, I can think of a bunch of fours and fives and then, like, eight. Yeah, there seems to be more like, yeah, you have a bunch of threes and fours in your deck and then a couple of eights. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, just, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's it's overcosted, but normally when something doesn't end the run, I mean, this is a fairly powerful effect, but also has an alternate cost to break it. Well, uh, and the strength is good. Let's be, let's be fair. Just because of the abilities regardless of the cost, this is a late, mid-late game ice anyway. This is yeah, not ice right. you want to throw down at the beginning of uh, uh, first turn or two. Right. This is You want this to be the outer ice. And it is century with the strength five, so it's generally going to be pretty expensive mm. to break. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Ninja gets through it, you know, with just one pump. If you're Ninja actually bleeds. playing the ridiculous... Um, the other identity, which you probably shouldn't be playing for HB, then it becomes really annoying, but mm. you probably shouldn't be playing that identity anyway. Mm. Well, now, Jinteki did get a new identity in that, which doesn't seem shabby. Oh, he's good. He's very it's, good. Yeah. It's, it really... Uh, yeah, my, my only thing about this is that you have to make sure that you have really good ice on the outside that's going to make them suffer. Right. It, right. You want it, to put toll booths and katanas on the out. Because uh, it just says after, until the intern, whenever the runner runs on a central server. So they can just access the first piece of ice and then jack out and go do something else. So, I mean, that does still make them take a click, but it, if you can make it hurt, it's a lot better. Well, yeah, and you actually have to, I mean, granted, you were probably going to, do it at some point anyway, but you have to ice, you even have to ice your archives up when you normally wouldn't have a reason to. You need to ice archives at least, against yeah. at least half the runners, if not more, anyway. You know, I mean, it's like one piece down there. Just make I mean, it at least pause something. Hell, noise right now, I think that's where you should be concentrating your ice. <laughs> yeah. That and I mean, Worst case scenario, if you leave them a free server to run on, it's like they waste a click to run your remote servers. That's oh, a yeah. worst case scenario. Yeah, and yeah. runner loses a click every turn is still pretty good ability, so... Yeah. I'm, I'm running it. 
as my deck currently is with this uh, identity, and I, I like it a lot. I like the other one better, but I think this one's still good. Yeah, my only problem with the other one is that, like, including me, normally when I'm playing, we always forget the ability. Yeah. Like, two turns later, like, I should have taken an extra damage for scoring that. Oh, I remember that. Justin can't Funny thing, I tend to forget it, and unfortunately it happens when I'm the runner. Yeah. He's, he's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna brain damage myself for some extra credits to run on your thing, and I'm like, you have one card in hand. If you succeed and steal an agenda, mm-hmm. you're going to die. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure. I put together a Jin Techie deck this weekend just because I'm tired of killing myself when I play against other people playing Jin Techie, and I want to learn how to not do that. So hopefully we'll attention. Yep. Uh, play exposure, exposure cards or also just have good luck. Oh, it's mostly just not for Well, yeah, he just means remembering that the identity hits him for a damage every time he scores and he steals an agenda. Or I score one. I mean, generally speaking, I'm of the opinion that Jinteki is the hardest corp to play just because it's the most player skill intensive because it's all about bluffing and and reading your opponent. It's It's probably why I do so badly with it. Yeah. It's just a lot of people aren't good at bluffing. They're, I mean, I was actually seeing some people say, you know, I'll play Jinteki and I'll put take all of my things and put two tokens on all of them and just play guessing games with people. And I'm like, you know, realistically, the way you should be bluffing is probably just play your traps and your agendas yeah. the same way. No, 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 I'm going to do that, too, because I also get uh, 16 actions on my turn to play out right. a bunch of cards and put advancement tokens with the runner not doing anything about them. And the economy to do it. I mean, right. the perfect bluff is you play it the exact same way. I mean, there's no information to be gleaned. In fact, I can even tell the guy I'm playing against, look, I'm just going to play all of my traps and all of my agendas the exact same way. And if I have a choice between which one I want to put down, I'm going to flip a coin. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a fun way. That, they can't do anything with that information. I, I've done that before. That's a fun way to play with Jinteki. Take an agenda, take a Junebug, uh, shuffle the two, pick one at random to play in your fort in advance twice. Yeah. And uh, maybe you told your opponent this and it was actually two Project Junebugs, but, uh, you know, that's their own fault for believing you. <laughs> it's always their own fault if they believe you. Was there anything else noteworthy oh, God, in yes. this? The, the the Dyson Memchip? Uh, uh, Dyson Memchip's okay. I mean, it's really only that it's neutral, so it's easier for Criminal and uh, uh, Anarch to port in extra memory to get their fully set up rig. But honestly, having run it for a while, I don't really like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do like what, fetal AI. Fetal AI. Yes. Uh, yeah. I have lost games to fetal AI. Me too. I, I have amusingly, and was this may have been against you, Mike, access fetal AI, not been able to afford to buy it, so I used the imp to trash it, so when I got it from the archives, I didn't get burned by the net damage. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... I have run into I've makers eyed into a snare and uh snare into that and died because I only had four cards in hand. 
Okay, guys. We told people Star Wars, so we're going to end Netrunner and break again and then come back and give some truly ignorant comments about the Star Wars LCG. Uh, so we're back for our last segment about the Star Wars LCG. We don't really have any particular agenda in mind for this, so I will lead with the notion that there's a good chance you should be playing with a multi-faction deck, especially if you want to play with the Rebels. And the way you should do that is by having whatever faction is that you don't want very many of, have that be your official faction for the game so that you're always guaranteed to get that to buy. Resource, resource matches, yeah. yeah. That resource match, and then you're going to get an agenda, or an objective, sorry, for the other resource match. There's my observation to kick us off. Also, the Rebels seem weak. I, I think they are. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I think the main problem with the Rebels is they don't have the power units, which this game sort of seems to really like is the power units. But also, they're wide. You drop a whole bunch of units, which leaves you with the problem you don't have a lot of cards left in your hand to win the edge battle with. In fact, that's something, looking at the Game <clears throat> Trade magazine uh, that can't, that is out for this month, they have a couple of the cards shown. You know, they just have a couple on the borders and one of the Rebel ones that's coming up is, while you control more Hoth objectives, this is an objective, uh, while you control more Hoth objectives than your opponent, each of your speeder units gain edge one. See, that would be a huge uh, card for the Rebels. Because, yeah, I mean, I feel like playing Rebels a lot, I, I want to play, I want to like the Rebels, but to play enough cards out to threaten an objective, I'm left with not enough cards left in my hand to win the edge which means all my edge-dependent icons go off, which there are quite a few. And then also, often, if they've got one really good guy, he can just obliterate my forces right off the bat. Well, and even though, you know, obviously the Imperials are, the Imperial Navy is the most analogous uh, faction to them, the Imperial Navy has a lot of heavy hitters. I almost feel like the Rebels play more like I would expect the Empire to play, the, the Imperial Navy to play. Because I feel like I can drop a whole bunch of more small characters than even the Imperial Navy can. That feels a little backwards. But then the Imperial Navy has things like Super Laser, and right. they, well, they, don't have any, they don't really have anything like that. I was about anymore. to say, I think Super Laser feels like reason number one to play with the Imperials, because that's just fun. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. I'm seriously tempted to make a deck that's just... The two of the super laser objective, and then eight Sith. Yeah, well, my dark side deck right now is two. Well, it's two of the Mahdi objective. I think I think the Mahdi objective set is is better. I but unfortunately, well, it's, it's hard it's, to it's hard to include the Tarkin super laser set and the Mahdi set along with the the better Sith ones. Right, because that's putting you at four, which is getting which which means there now is some chance. Matches. Yeah, there's now some chance that I would just not be able to play the Sith cards. Oh, so so can I say just generally because we're talking we're kind of talking around it anyways. I really do like how they managed to make the deck building for this. The whole match card sets really does add something different. Oh yeah, it's completely weird. It it does, but nice. at the same time, like 
I kind of don't, I mean, I do and I don't like that, oh, you want to play with a super laser? Well, you got to put this super laser engineer who's utter garbage in your deck too. But they're, they're all kind of like that. I mean, all yeah, of those, right. if you look at the, the Jedi is the one, that, if I look at the different factions, the Jedi is the faction that from top to bottom has the best cards, I think, or the best uh, objective but, sets. And, but that's what, the first four of your objective sets or something like that, or at least the first three are just really awesome Jedi and then garbage. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's okay because the game really likes big guys. No, yes, yes. Yeah. I, yeah, it just leads you to the issue of if I put, if I put into my deck one great guy and four pieces of junk, I can, See a hand that's the four pieces of junk and no great guy. He's down at the bottom. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean it's, it's an interesting balance of if you intentionally have to put garbage in, is it better for one amazing and a bunch of garbage or a slightly better average when all the cards are at that average? Well, for the Jedi, I think you have to go with the uh, well, yeah, the big unit things. I don't because so, some of their other objective sets are are probably more even keeled like the well and generally speaking i don't think we have enough objective sets available to really make that determination i think right. in a year or two when the game when there's enough variety that you can actually make that I, choice i don't it's even think interesting it'll, to see which is the better option i don't even think it'll take a year i think in six months you'll have enough different options mm-hmm. that you'll probably be able to make very wildly different decks Oh, Jay just wants to, but Jay wants to wait two years so he can make an Ewok deck. <laughs> really likes the Ewok objective set. The, the Ewok objective uh, set. I looked at it no, again. No, it oh, is really good. Oh, it's I, really good. Just you know, you, you have to have a bunch of Ewoks. Ewoks. Yeah. Yes, also, yeah. you have to play with Ewoks. I mean, yep, it's yep. not Gungans, but still. Ewoks have better than stealth. Stealth. If you play Game of Thrones, that that's pretty amazing. Yep, uh, yep. So that means nothing to me. In Game of Thrones, if a character has stealth, um, they can declare someone who can't participate in the defense, and that's basically what Ewoks have. But only in Game of Thrones, if they have the same keyword that lets them do that, they can't target them. Ewoks have nothing like that. So you can, you know, if the dark side had Ewoks, you could Ewok your Ewok. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, no. The, the Ewok is... The, the Ewok character is solid. Yub-Yub does not stink, but of course you have to have one of your... You'll only have four Ewoks in your whole deck, and you have to have, and those Yub Yubs are useless unless you've got an Ewok out, if I'm recalling correctly. Well, and yeah. the Log Trap is not anything to slouch at either. It's just a little expensive. It costs either three or four, but it, it's uh, an, a play area enhancement that when you focus it when someone's attacking you, they have to focus one of their people. Yeah, but at the same time, that's less beneficial for the light side because. Right, the dark side can much more get away with not attacking. Or well, right, but like the Imperial strikes, whereas yeah, like uh, the Imperial Navy tends to like to go out and attack. Oh yeah, the dark side can win having never attacked, but oh, you definitely want to attack. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that the dark, the dark side, especially the Sith, in my mind, may only attack two or three times throughout the course of the game. Whereas the light side has to be attacking if they want to win. Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, literally. They literally have to attack if they want to win. There is, I don't, I don't believe it's physically possible for them to win without attacking. No. 
Uh, even the even the Death Star dial thing. Yeah, you're still um, attacking. You're still, you're just attacking. You're still attacking. I've got a couple of standout cards so far, having played through. I would Mandalorian say armor. Mandalorian army is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and a game that where hit points the, is the way that most things are balanced. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty strong. Yes. Han Solo. Definitely Han. I love Han, that Han shoots first. Yes. Yeah. Well, is... I, I actually think it's kind of interesting. This to some, it, it's sort of weird because in in other games there's more of a discussion: is this card good or not? Whereas in this one, the sort of notion that of is this card good or not? That's it's sometimes just like obvious. It's like is Luke good? Well, of course he is. I mean, that's right. It's really a better question. That he's good. It's a, it's yeah. It's really about well, how does this, this work set. together with the rest of the objective set? I really right. like that that Jedi objective that gives me the plus one force and the enhancement that the three edge enhancement that will give me plus one in the force struggle. But man, that that objective set doesn't do a lot else. Can I? Right. Right. Well, I, mean, I, I think with Han Solo, it's not just that Han is amazing; it's that the entire smuggler's objective yeah. set is amazing. Well, I, and that's true of the the other one. Um, I'm like that, the, uh, the smuggler or the no, scum and villainy scum or villainy. whatever. Yeah, the, the scoundrels objective set that the the well, uh, bounty hunters. That, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, bounty, bounty, hunters, bounty hunters, hunters is pretty has. good, but I still, I mean, the bounty yeah, hunters. Yeah, it's not as good as. Like two misses, whereas I, I think there's one miss in the smuggler objective set, and that's the objective well, itself. Oh yeah, the. I, I I disagree. If you're putting that in Jedi, I use that to help control really really well because you don't care as much that your objectives are going down quite as you know as fast, and it's sure. it's a standard five. So I had that in last minute rescue, and I was able to. A lot of times your big characters have like three, four health. So once you start to get too damaged, you're really starting to, you know, it gets a little dangerous. So being able to maybe kill another unit and also heal off the other damage. So I all of a sudden start the turn with a completely undamaged guy. That's a pretty big swing. I guess I'm just used to my opponent focus firing and killing everything. Uh, yeah. That's the interesting thing so far about this game is there's, there's not a super ton of control in the game. Like, there's a few uh, parts of control, but... Yeah, but no, I'm talking about event control. Oh, no. Like, yeah. out-of-hand control. There's, like, a Jedi thing. Well, like, each faction has one thing, except for the side factions. Uh, the... That's not true? No. Oh, no, because you have the one that bounces the yeah, guy in your hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a limited range of tar... I mean, you're only targeting chuds, but it's... It could be a big deal to sit there during someone's force phase and be like, oh, that guy you were committing to the force or the guy you were planning on holding back from attack, yeah, he's not there anymore. Yep. Goodbye. The blaster emplacement? Is, is it blaster emplacement? What is the name of that yes. card? It, yeah. Blaster emplacement, especially when you get the guys that play well with it, but even without, that has lost me games. Yeah, free is good. On that alone. And the engineers are actually somewhat better than they first appear because it just says enhancement. Yeah. So you can use it for your um your other things that like the enhanced enhancements to your play area. Like there's the the rebel one that that has the three resources. You can make it come up in like two turns instead of three. My favorite combo is to splash that guy into Jedi and use it with the Jedi enhanced character that you enhance the enhancement to 
de-enhance the dude it's attached to, so yeah. Luke can swing like three times in a turn? Yeah. <laughs> Why ever would you want to th- swing three times with Luke? Because uh, he shoots oh. people at home. <laughs> and, and then he's also ready to swing twice on your opponent's turn. Hey, we've got, we know who the the director will be. JJ. So, I can start counting down to making Benjamin go to a Star Wars movie. Hooray. Yeah. I, I'm um, just hoping it doesn't start with uh, Spock showing up in his time machine. That's just silly, Jay. <laughs> the other main thing that I've seen while playing playing Star Wars is that I feel like the tactics is a little strong. The icon is really strong, like way stronger than you expect it to be when you start playing the game. Right. Well, I mean, it's the fact that you can hit people at home and the fact that if you if you're like Palpatine and have multiples, you can split it. It's stupendous. Yeah. Yes. Because that's at least, yeah, when you've got the three just I shoot a guy, you, you can't split that up. You're just blowing up that one one health guy a lot. Right. Yep. I mean, I, I think part of it though is it makes it that much worse when you win the edge battle. That if you've got a tactics guy on your, I mean, if you've got like yeah. a guy with a tactics and a blaster, and you win the edge battle, you can maybe take out two defenders before they do anything. And then that may mean that they never get to do anything. Right. Right. That may be their entire defense. Yeah, well, that that was something I was running into when I was playing. Um, I was playing Jedi versus. Uh, it was a Sith deck, but Boba Fett kept coming out first turn. Well, Boba awesome. Fett. Well, yeah, but so I had I had Luke and I had Ben, and I swung in, and he won the edge battle and took out both guys with one attack. Yeah. The, the fact, also, the fact that tactics can stack markers on people means that you can even elites lock down just by also attacking their stuff. Oh, yeah, no, totally. I had one game where he'd had a little bit of tactics earlier. I think it was the interrogation droid, such that my three guys on the board were all exhausted. And goes to his turn, he drops Palpatine, attacks. I didn't wake those guys up again that game. Yeah, it very quickly starts to swing things. That generally is also the, my consensus so far for Star Wars. I really like the game, but it is extremely swingy. It's very dependent on what you get in your opening hand. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just that, but it's really hard to be like, oh, I'm winning. I mean, I've had so many games where I'm like, oh, I've won this game and then lose. Or, oh, this game's already over, and then, oh, I won anyway. Then, I mean, at least it, it it's a short enough game. Yeah. There's a great ability to come back, and the end states of games can be misleading as well. I know we, Jay and I talked about this on Saturday. You can you can end up at these games where it feels like, and then on the last turn, I completely obliterated him, as he has nothing on the table that isn't locked down, and I have multiple Jedi, but really it was really close because he was only one damage away from being able to win on his prior turn. But it's it's kind of hard to keep that in mind when you're on the receiving end of the beatdown, that it really was close. But I think that this is about the limit of how much I feel like editing. So yeah, fair enough. We will have to wait until later to talk about this some more. It's a good stopping point. Yeah, that's fine. Hopefully next time we talk about it, we'll have uh, more cards to talk about. Yeah, when oh, yeah. is the... Uh, February. Uh, 
No one knows. Sometime well, in February, okay. Allegedly. Yeah, well, Game Trade Magazine has it listed as supposed to be coming out in February for the first for the first pack. So it should be sometime this month. Okay. Uh, also, the art. There's a uh, one of the new things that they show. They don't show what it. They uh, one of the new objectives. They don't show what it does, but it's this picture of Darth Vader leading a whole bunch of snowtroopers, and it looks amazing. Yeah, the yeah. The, really, really the good. Art is is pretty good. So for Jay Earl and Justin Purdy and Mike Cook, I'm Chris Stevenson. You've been listening to Strange Assembly. Yub yub. You've been listening to Strange Assembly. You can download more episodes of Strange Assembly on iTunes or from our website at www.strangeassembly.com. While you're at our website, you can check out the frequently updated main page or talk with us on the forums. You can also email me directly at chris at strangeassembly.com or you can follow Strange Assembly on Facebook or Twitter. Strange Assembly either place. Thanks for listening.